Australia's connections with Vietnam are many and varied, not least of all in relation to fashion. It's the second largest garment exporter in the world, a place with a long history of fashion creativity, innovation, tradition and local trade. We touched on this history in our very first episode, which explored the remarkable contributions Vietnamese refugees made to Australian fashion after the Vietnam War. Australia has long benefited from talented Vietnamese garment makers. So, how are the connections between fashion designers and creatives in Australia and Vietnam being celebrated and supported today? Hello, and welcome to this very special bonus episode of the Critical Fashion Studies podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Harriet Richards. I'm a lecturer in the School of Fashion and Textiles at RMIT University and co-founder of the Critical Fashion Studies Research Group. Today, I'm talking to Tom Tran, founder of Modian Studio in Saigon, Vietnam. Tom graduated with a degree in fashion design from Parsons, the new school in New York. Following graduation, he returned to his hometown of Saigon to open the studio, where he's become known for his work using sustainable materials to create ungendered garments. Last year, Tom was one of four Vietnamese designers to participate in the RMIT-led cross-cultural craft and design exchange, De Do, here, there. The collaborative project, which brought together designers, artists, and creative craft practitioners from Australia and Vietnam, promoted contemporary design practice while sustaining traditional forms of art and craft. It opened opportunities for cultural, economic, and knowledge exchange between makers and designers from the two countries. Tom is visiting at the moment for Melbourne Fashion Week, and I spoke with him about his practice and his experiences participating in the Day Dot Here There project. We spoke via video call, so if there's a little bit of background noise, that'll be why. Before we get started, I'd like to acknowledge that this episode was recorded on the unceded lands of the Woiwurrung and Boomerang language groups of the Eastern Kulin Nation. We pay our deep respects to First Nations elders, past and present, and to any Indigenous listeners tuning in. Hi Tom, thank Hello. you so much for joining us today. To start with, could you tell us a little bit about what prompted you to start your label, Moidian, in Saigon in 2016? Well, thanks for having me. Uh, so Moidian was born very unexpectedly. I graduated from Parsons in New York in 2015, and I was working for a brand in a luxury women's wear in New York. And uh, it was my dream job, and the boss found me via Instagram. So I thought that would be my plan for a while, uh, until one day I came into the office and see animal hide and fur uh, piling up on my table. And prior to that, I was only working uh, on sketches. Uh, so um, it was a big shock to me that caused me to leave that job and come back to Vietnam to start something that feels more like me. And that is how Modin was born. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Out of this quite confronting <laughs> yeah. experience. So then tell us a little bit about what does it mean to be more you? What encapsulates the design ethos of Moidien? So um, I care a lot about the environmental and I, I'm a big animal lover. And I think my generation care a lot about the social responsibility. So with Moidien, we started with uh, production waste. That is our starting point. 
And for many years now, for many seasons, that is always our starting points for each collection. We start with what we have. We play with Vietnam's advantage uh, of being uh, the factory of the world, uh, which gives us a lot of different kinds of materials. So um, we want to use those materials and turn that into unique designs. Each collection is very unlike the, the one previous because it all depends on what we have that season. So I guess then I was going to ask what is your kind of signature aesthetic, but if every collection's a little bit different, what would you say would be the element that identifies Moidian designs? My style is very Asian. Okay. Uh, we like clothes a bit looser and uh, there is not a clear distinction between uh, menswear and womenswear. So our clothes is very unisex and we like colors that uh, we like both we like all black and we also like very colorful so in one collection you can see both but for Moidian is uh, the 3d elements that's something that you can always find in each collection we like playing with fabric manipulation we like uh, textile designs and you will always see that in, in the collection yeah I mean your designs are incredibly striking I'm thinking about maybe some of the most recent ones could you describe some for us, for our listeners? Uh, for Melbourne, I, uh, I'm bringing a design called Quan. Quan is a tangle in Vietnamese, and it was inspired by the Vietnamese electricity wires that you see on the street. It's very unplanned, it's very illogical. And uh, to us, it's both a convenience, but also a uh, distinctive uh, feature about the Vietnamese streets. And um, the, the design process is very interesting because I go give the picture to the seamstress who also identify herself as a, a craftsman, an artist, and she will look at the electricity wires and turn them into a garment wow. without any clear instruction. So um, when I hang that piece on uh, in First Sight Gallery, it was how we start the collection. We, we start with the electricity wire picture, mm-hmm. which the seamstress has turned into an artwork, and then we use that artwork to inspire our merchandise. So we turn that into a very commercial a bag or a jacket with the details much more refined. And that is uh, the design process for us. Wow, yeah. <laughs> it sounds amazing. So what sort of materials do you use in, in making something that looks or has the vibe of a tangle of electricity wires. Uh, For that one, we use uh, um, a pile of used PU and um, the inside is mixed with uh, electricity wires itself and uh, plastic and uh, old fabrics, uh, all kinds, because we have to test the durability as well as the thickness of the wires. Mm -hmm. Because for the artwork, it can be anything, but when we turn them into the commercial product, uh, it has to be tested many times. Yeah, wow. So it's kind of bringing together the environment, the built environment you live in, but also the waste materials that you find around you. Yes. Yeah, that's amazing. Now, this week you're here thanks to your participation in the Day Do Here Bear project. Can you tell us a little bit about how you became involved in that project? Uh, it was such a surprise for us uh, because um, during COVID, I participated in the Vietnam Design Week competition. Uh, which uh, we normally don't do because it's such a, a intensive and long program. Uh, but it was COVID, so uh, and I wanted to have something fun. So we decided to join. And by the end, 
we won the concept award. And yeah, my mentor said, we have a surprise for you. And that is the data project. And I didn't understand what it was and couldn't believe that I'm in Melbourne now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> from COVID yeah. to Melbourne. Yeah, <laughs> it's not something you could imagine during lockdown. So, what has your involvement in the project entailed over that period of time? Well, it's such a long program. So, in the beginning, we were working on a concept, and then we realized the concept to turn into real product, which was showcased in the Garden of Literature in Vietnam. And then um, we had an online presentation to all the jury. And then we were paired up with mentors in mm-hmm. the industry to guide us through the program. And then we developed it into a collection for Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we also have a, another exhibition in Saigon prior to this. And I've heard that it will be extended for two more exhibitions next year in Vietnam. Wow. So I'm just like taking one step at a time. I don't <laughs> really know what's happening and, and when it will end. But uh, so far, it's so fun. It yeah. seems like the project's a bit like that yeah. in itself. It's a bit of an evolving organic process, yeah. depending on where the funding's coming from and, and yeah. what opportunities come out of it. So who were your mentors? Uh, my mentors were Vu Tao. She was the founder of Kilomet 109 uh, from Vietnam and uh, James... From the uh, denim... Yeah, from the James denim... James Bartel. Yes, uh, right? in Australia. Mm-hmm. What do you think that experience of having these two mentors, one in Australia and one in Vietnam, kind of offered to your practice? Uh, To me, uh, I was in a very unique position to benefit from both mentors because my brand is a brand that was founded to serve the Vietnamese communities. Uh, But at the same time, we were planning to go overseas. So it's very important for us to understand the international market. So for those two years, what we have been trying to do is to develop a brand that can serve the local communities, but also is targeting all the requirements for a brand to go international. And next season is the the season we will do both in one collection. Oh, okay. What does that mean for your design? Our designs, uh, when when we uh, do it locally, uh, the price is uh, have to be very um, competitive because for uh, a local Vietnamese brand, uh, people don't pay that much for fashion. But when we go international, if the price is under $200, it will be very challenging for us to get into certain platforms. Mm. So uh, we have to upgrade the price each season, both not to shock the local audience, but also to climb to that uh, barrier so that we can uh, go international and be in the same platform and stores as other designers, international designers. That price range allows us to play a lot with the creativity and have a better uh, distinction in the design. Yeah, I mean, it sounds challenging too. But I guess having studied in New York at Parsons, a new school, you've got a bit of background insight into how the international market works, especially working for the women's wear brand there as well. How do you think you bring that knowledge and that training into what you do now? I thought it would be easy for me, but it was a complete different world because in Vietnam, we we run on a retail basis. We don't have a wholesale system in Vietnam at all. So uh, when we go international, it's all wholesale. So one challenge, for example, is when when new collection comes out in February uh, 2024, it has to be both ready to wear and wholesale at the same time. So in Vietnam, it has to be ready 
But for international, we have to have orders. And that is something we have to figure out uh, if we don't want to lose either audience. Mm -hmm. um, what I've learned in New York is the design process has to be original. It has to have a story. The brand has to, to have some standards uh, and quality in terms of sewing, uh, construction, uh, visual communication. So it can be uh, seen as a serious player in that segment. And that is what I bring, uh, the knowledge I bring back. Uh, but running a brand was nothing like I expected. <laughs> so there were a lot of uh, unseen challenges uh, that I have to overcome. Yeah, yeah. Can you tell us about some of those challenges? Well, one of the challenges is when uh, Vietnam is a place people go to for uh, production, manufacturing. So that is something no one uh, would imagine having a, a difficulty. Little did I know that when we have beautiful designs, no one wants to produce it because they are so specialized in t-shirts, they're so specialized in sportwear, oh they don't want to do it. So what we have to do is we have to convince the housewives who have a sewing machine to help us produce them. And over the years, they, they built a community of uh, housewives who love to do special designs, and they are our only source for production. Mm -hmm. So after seven years, we don't work with large manufacturing uh, facilities, we only work with housewives. And now we have to train them to translate the QC requirement for them so they understand what the QC quality of the international market is like. Yeah. So that is one thing uh, no, oh, no, no one can yeah, <laughs> understand. No. So do you think those larger manufacturing facilities, do they prioritize international brands that they're making the T-shirts for? Uh, I think they prioritize quantity. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And anything under a thousand is not uh, appetizing for mm -hmm. them. <laughs> so you're making small, bespoke, unique, yeah. <laughs> distinctive designs, and they're like too complicated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we spoke just briefly before we came on air, and you were talking about sort of contemporary Vietnamese designers kind of thinking about design in Vietnam in a really new and distinctive way, which you're sort of pioneering. What does that industry or that segment of the sector look like in Vietnam at the moment? Are there many people doing what you're doing? Many designers are doing what uh, we are doing, uh, but their challenge is that uh, they are doing it independently. They run the shop from their studio, they take pre-orders, but mm -hmm. it's not like a smoothly run brand. So uh, they can skip a season, they can skip several seasons. And I think um, that is one of a challenge we have to overcome if we want to go international, mm. yeah, because the investment will be quite different compared to running it from the local market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and maintaining that consistency yeah. season after season as well. And do you think that going through this mentoring process with the Daydog project um, has helped you kind of navigate some of those challenges? Uh, yes. Um, well, one of the the challenge is to to stay alive until day dot is finished. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we have to find a way to to make sure that uh, you know uh, because the designs we we brought to, to compete was quite different from the design we bring to Melbourne. Uh, it has oh, been okay. many seasons now, mm -hmm. uh, but it still have to have that consistency in aesthetic, in uh, social responsibility, in uh, materials. So it's still modern, but uh, we, we can see the brands evolving mm -hmm. as, uh, as it goes. Yeah. And so where do you see it going in future beyond 
thinking about these these dual markets, taking it international. But what do you see in terms of the evolving aesthetic of the brand? For many seasons, we have tried many things because we are a very independent brand. Uh, so uh, it gives us the luxury to experiment. Um, and we have tried many things, but the thing that I love the most, and I think that is so important that we have that kind of brand in Vietnam, is to be experiment, to play with the culture, we play with materials, and uh, don't focus on growth only, but we want to go long-term, and whenever you think of a Vietnamese brand, Modin has to be the, your top three, your mm-hmm. top five, and it has to be very special. And uh, there are many products and designs that we put out, but there we can always see there are always something we keep years after years in the store. And those are the kind of designs that we want to introduce to the world. So whenever you come to Vietnam or whenever you see Moidian, you feel proud to have that kind of brand exist. So I, I went to London for exhibition. I went to Melbourne and uh, I'm very proud to keep all the accents marked on, on our label and uh, name of the product in Vietnamese. And a few Vietnamese person walked by and tell me that it gives them such a strong emotional feeling. And I think that is where I want to push the brand forward. I want it to be even more like that. I want the exhibition to be even more colorful and on grander scale. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really fantastic to hear and an interesting kind of encapsulation of what Daydo is trying to do as mm-hmm. well. It's respecting and supporting tradition and craft and skills, but in a way that pushes things forward and brings things into the contemporary age. And that's what it sounds like you're doing, you know, utilizing the skills of women in Vietnam to make these objects and these garments that are incredibly experimental, as you say, and and new and innovative and yeah, creative, contemporary. So thinking about Vietnamese fashion in an entirely new way, which is very yes. exciting. Yes, that's yeah. very important to me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So during the process of being part of Day Do then, I mean, you said it was a, a shock to be included in the project, but what do you think has been the most surprising outcome? I think the most surprising outcome is that... Um, It was yesterday, actually, because I was sitting at home in Melbourne thinking about what this project has meant for me. There will have been a lot of changes in the company and where we want to take it because, you know, we have Paris on our calendar and we have a lot of holidays coming up, which is the the season for sale in Vietnam. And when I walk on the street of Melbourne, I see a lot of things that I would never see in Vietnam very colorful buildings, very uh, young and energetic culture, a lot of young people, a lot of unwearable pieces on the streets. <laughs> so that inspired me because I always thought about New York and Paris and suddenly Mel- Melbourne just changed my perspective on international markets. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I was sitting and contemplating all of that and I think about future exhibition, what I want Modian to look like, it changes. You know, my, my imagination changes and I see an entirely new Modian. So that is the most surprising thing about this project for me. Because earlier to that, I thought that I would just bring what I have to Melbourne. I didn't know that, you know, I write on my Instagram story this morning that for the first time, I really understand what the term culture has changed me because I see a part of Australia spirit is inside me now. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah, so you've brought what you have to Melbourne, but Melbourne's brought what it has to you as well. Yeah, and that's, I mean, the whole project is about cultural exchange and that's where you see it really blossoming. Yes. Um, That's really wonderful as well (laughs) to hear. What an amazing experience. And also to think about the international market in a different way. It's not just about these big fashion capitals like New York and Paris, but it's very unique here in, in Melbourne. And I mean, so the second season of which this episode as a bonus was really all about celebrating the the Melbourne fashion community and the greater Victorian fashion community so it's really heartening to hear that as well that you've been so inspired by the city yes and I see a lot of potential because um, a lot of friends recommended me shops and boutiques that they think Modian can get into and I actually met a few of them and they are quite interested so next season I hope to have like uh, one item anywhere in Melbourne as uh, Moidian, so we can say on you know our social media that if you are in Melbourne, you can now purchase Moidian from this store and this store. Amazing! Yeah. Or at least see it in yeah. person. I mean, that was going to be my next question: was what, what is going to happen next in the yeah. future? Uh, so we'll all have to keep our eyes open for for what that's going to look like. And what projects specifically are you working on now? So right now, all of my energy is focused on Paris Fashion Week. It will be our first season to do wholesale. So what we want to do is to tell a story that is the most authentic to us. And we want to be in a location that represents who we are. And we found this amazing gallery owned by a Vietnamese female entrepreneur who just got to Paris recently. And she was so bold, she opened a gallery after not being able to intern for a gallery that she wanted to get into. And now she's working with them uh, as a gallery owner. So we want to be in that space and uh, find uh, the buyers international who who also uh, believes in, in our vision and, and bring it to the world. And we will see where it takes us. But uh, I'm very happy about the the potential exhibitions uh, that Daydog will bring next year in in Saigon and Hanoi because uh, this has been such a great eye-opening experience and we have so many ideas to further develop the exhibition with new products, uh, with improvements and uh, with new setup. Yeah, it sounds like that element of collaboration is really key to you as well whether it's collaborating with the seamstresses who have the skill to transform your vision of electricity wires into a garment or with a gallery owner in Paris how do you think that plays into what you do those relationships Uh, those are very important to me because uh, I know that I'm not the best designer in the world but I'm an observer I love to see uh, people's imagination uh, comes into reality. So uh, I want to work with the best designers, with the best visual communicator, with the best uh, curator, and work together with them and be surprised with the outcome. So uh, Moodian to me is full of unexpected uh, surprises. Mm, uh, yeah. Exactly like the way that it was born. So, mm, yeah, uh, <laughs> exactly. The way that it was born, the way it continues, the yeah. way that the data collaboration has happened yeah. as well yeah that's very exciting and so when are you going to Paris I'm going to Paris on uh, I think February to 2024 mm-hmm. yesterday I just answered the gallery about the timing yeah, yeah. and so you, you talk about these shows as being exhibitions will that be an exhibition too rather than a runway 
it, not sure, it's not yeah. a runway. It's yeah. uh, it's just a wholesale gallery. So okay. um, I hope that we can uh, because it's still a gallery. So mm. I hope we can hang or show something in a special way, but it's not in the same scale as in First Sight Gallery now. Okay, so then as we wrap up, I wonder then, you've been inspired by Melbourne, um, by the colourful buildings, by the young people. What do you think you're going to be taking back to Vietnam from Melbourne in terms of inspiration and ideas? You know, we have, during our design process, we fight a lot. You fight a lot. I fight. Uh, we fight a lot. <laughs> yeah. And and uh, I think that the most important thing for me to realize from this trip is to see the things that is not very practical on the street. And Melbourneers have taken it to huge scale. I've seen building with no no window or no doors, very colorful, with the palette, a color palette that we will fight until the end. Mm-hmm. So I think it's something that doesn't work in theory, but it works in reality. And I want to be more open-minded to those ideas. A lot of things uh, I look at and I have to ask myself, why not? They exist. It worked that way. Why do we have to fight so much to build something that is less clean? The transportation isn't free. We have to work longer hours to bring to the world designs that not necessarily work as well as the design that I see in Melbourne. So maybe we change the, entirely the way that we work and the way we look at things. I always thought that I was experimental and open-minded, but when I see the designs in Melbourne, I have to take it to another notch. <laughs> yeah. You're going to bump it up again. Yeah. Well, hopefully we can take on some of your experimental yeah. kind of approach as inspiration for us here yeah. too and really continue that cultural exchange which I think is so fruitful and inspiring yeah. so thank you so much Tom for joining us today thank you for having me a pleasure yeah. it's been so wonderful to hear about the great opportunities that can emerge from cross-cultural exchange to all our listeners thank you for tuning in If you're interested in Tom's work, you can visit the Moidien website or follow them on Instagram. We'll include those links in our show notes, along with the link to the Dagdor Here There project website, where you can find more information about the designers, makers and creative practitioners involved and see some of the outcomes. You can also look at the back catalogue of episodes to find our conversation with Emma Doe and Kim Lamb about Vietnamese homeworkers in Australia. We'll put that link in the show notes too. This was a very special bonus episode of the Critical Fashion Studies podcast. It's been a joy to expand the conversation and to have Tom here with us. I'd like to thank CAST, the Contemporary Art and Social Transformation Research Group at RMIT University for supporting this episode, as well as to Thomas Phillips for audio engineering and co-production and Hugh Caldwell-Ross for our logo. As ever, do keep an eye on your podcast app and follow us via Critical Fashion Studies on Instagram for details of our work and news of, fingers crossed, a new season in the new year. See you next time.